Hello, this is the State Senate DFL Podcast, Call of the Senate. I'm your host, Senator Jeff Hayden. Thank you for joining us. The purpose of the podcast is to allow you, the listener, to better understand our senators with stories about their background, where they grew up, the moment they knew they wanted to be a public servant. Also, we'll be discussing legislation or general changes in society that they hope to accomplish during their time in the Senate. All right, Senator Ken Eakin, welcome to Call of the Senate, our D- our podcast featuring DFL senators in the Minnesota State Senate. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me, Jeff. Good, good. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I know we've worked together. We we worked in the House and the Senate together. But uh, tell us kind of where you grew up and and uh, you, you, a little bit about how you know why you decided to to get into public service. Sure. Well, I grew up on a farm uh, west of Twin Valley, a little town up in the northwest part of the state, up in the Red River Valley. Uh, and um, the way, and I still live on that farm. I still live on the same, in the same house, actually, mm. that my great-grandparents built. How about that? My grandparents were married in our living room. Wow. Uh, the garage that we used was once the one-room schoolhouse that my grandpa attended. Wow. Uh, and so our roots go deep in that area. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and as I said, fourth generation farm. So we currently live there. I, I have a, a wife and uh, we have four children to our out of the house now, but we still have two that are in high school right now. Okay. Um, and uh, and so it, it's neat to be able to carry on the tradition, I guess. Um, and actually, when my great-grandfather great moved over here, uh, he uh, he was expressing a hope that we were, he was going to establish roots here that would, you know, grow for generations to come in this mm-hmm. area. And he actually changed. And where did he come from? He came from Norway, okay. and the name his his family name was Peterson when he oh. came here, but he changed it to Eken, okay. which is a Norwegian word that means the oak or oak tree. Okay. Uh, and he was expressing the hope that he was planting a seed that was going to take root and sure. grow here. Uh, when he took on that name. So I like to say that our family is the realization of his hopes and dreams because the Eakin family is still here and we're still uh, on the, the ancestral land wow. uh, that they settled when they came here. Um, and the, the way that I got involved in politics mm-hmm. uh, was actually through my father, mm-hmm. who uh, was a member of the House himself mm-hmm. for 14 years. And uh, he never intended to go into politics. His plan was to be a farmer mm-hmm. uh, his whole life. But something happened that changed uh, the direction of his life, and that was he, he had a son, uh, my brother, who was intellectually disabled. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't immediately apparent, but he was slow to walk and he was slow to talk, so they brought him in to be evaluated, mm-hmm. and he was diagnosed with intellectual disability. Okay. And <clears throat> this was in the 60s, mm-hmm. and they were told that they had one of two options. Mm-hmm. My parents were told that they could either send him away to be institutionalized, where okay. he'd be living 100 miles away from home, but he would receive some training and education, Mm -hmm. or they could keep him at home, Mm -hmm. but he would receive no formal education because there was no special special education in our area of the state for children with intellectual disabilities. So my parents got involved in a movement to start a special education uh, program in our area. And they were successful in that. Okay. Um, and uh, and, I, and my brother's no longer with us. He passed away in an accident on our farm when he was only 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and my father passed away about nine years ago. But that special ed program that my brother sure. uh, helped to inspire and that my father helped to start is still going. And, How about that? And I, I, I wanted to do something like that, to, right. to leave something behind that's going to make... 
uh, in our community stronger, that's going to provide a better quality of life, that's going to you know, go far beyond my own life my own lifespan and 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 so um and so that's what got me into politics so i followed my dad's footsteps i guess and that was how about it. that now before that you are kind of side by side or a little before that you are a teacher right you're you're yeah. an educator as well yes okay tell us a little bit about that your journey uh, where'd you go to college and tell us a little bit about your 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 teacher background your education background sure sure and uh well i uh, graduated from Twin Valley High School and then went to Concordia College in Moorhead. Okay. And uh, I was interested in, in both education and uh, also in politics. So mm-hmm. I, I did major in political science mm-hmm. as well as uh, in social studies education. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I taught full time for um, for about uh, 14 years before I entered the legislature sure. and still do some teaching as an adjunct instructor. I've done some at uh, MSUM in Moorhead where I've taught uh, uh, U.S. history there. I've taught state and local government at uh, M State and Detroit Lakes, sure. uh, also in my district. Um, so I, I still keep a hand in education, but mm-hmm. education was always something very important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I mentioned Dad. Uh, he chaired Absolutely. the education committee when he was in the House. Absolutely. Uh, special education is how he got involved, and, right. and his guiding principle was always that it shouldn't matter where you live, whether it's in a... Uh, more affluent, heavily populated area in the cities, or if it's a more remote, sparsely populated, poor area in the rural areas, uh, that you deserve to have a good quality education. It shouldn't matter what your family's financial background is or or, or standing is, whether rich or poor, and it shouldn't matter whether you're intellectually gifted or intellectually disabled. You deserve to have the chance to develop to your fullest uh, fullest potential. And so that's something that I really took seriously mm-hmm. and uh, saw that education truly is uh, the, the, the source of opportunity of in our state and, and right. that uh, we need to maintain and build on that strong tradition of providing opportunity for all our, our citizens. So give us a sense of what you think, how we should proceed with education. We know that we have uh, people talk about the special education. Speaking of special education, there's a cross-subsidy issue, which you know is essentially that we're not we're mandating that schools do it, but we're not funding it. Right. Uh, there's issues in rural education around property taxes. I just saw a study that right. said that depending Depending upon where you live, is more likely or not likely for a school referendum to get passed, which starts to create, you know, some uh, issues in our school system. The governor has talked a lot about it. You have a background in it, a, a, a couple generations now. Uh, give us some sense of what you think we should do uh, in the legislature to deal with these issues. Well, I do think that the state needs to be the primary funder of our education uh, because otherwise you end up with this patchwork quilt of have and have not school districts across the state. And many of them happen to be in the more remote, sparsely populated areas mm-hmm. uh, that are not as affluent, uh, where they don't have the property tax base or the population base to support uh, as much resources as, as uh, we would like to see in our, our schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think uh, we need to get back to the state really uh, taking on more responsibility and ensuring that it doesn't matter where you live. Absolutely. And everybody gets a good quality education. And uh, to rely too heavily on property taxes really hits uh, it hits our area very hard because uh, again we don't have that property tax mm-hmm. base and and so our taxes end up going up much higher and we get less in return when right. we shift more and more onto the backs of the local right. entities so uh, so that that's first and foremost uh, and uh, I know you talked about special education as well I, right. I, I again I 
uh, we've memorialized the Congress and, the, and mm-hmm. Washington to, to, to uh, fulfill its responsibilities and the funding for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a lot of paperwork involved in special education. I was mm-hmm. glad to see that there's some initiatives there to try to reduce the, the amount of paperwork that teachers have to do, Absolutely. so which is taking them away from the students and, and which is so critically important to their quality mm-hmm. of education. We want them to be spending the time with the students more, not so much time uh, with the paperwork. Yeah, with the paperwork. And I, Right, exactly, and and uh, and you know, obviously there's there's some uh, paperwork and regulation necessary to right. make sure things are being done <coughs> correctly, and uh, some testing that needs to be done. But I, I, I do think that we sometimes go overboard right. on those things, whether it be the mm-hmm. testing or whether it be the paperwork. Yeah, it gets in the way of the relationship and critical thinking and, exactly. and those types of things. So you uh, represent uh, uh, the border. Yes. Right, a good part of your district is on the border. Help, help help me understand. We've worked together on some issues, nursing home uh, and, and other kind of things. Uh, help us understand the uniqueness of governing where you know the the just just right right across the other side of your district is another whole state. Um, and then help us understand maybe some of the things that you've been able to do that helps to to, to make sure that the folks in Minnesota can compete with the folks in North Dakota. Right, and uh, and you're right. It's it's been a unique challenge that we face with North Dakota, partly because of all the oil money that they've generated out there. It's it's down now because the oil markets haven't been as good, but in the past, when they're good, North Dakota's kind of off the charts as far as the amount of revenue they generate. And that, that poses a unique challenge for those of us that live right on the border right. because they have more revenue to deal with. Right. So we see a disparity in the level of funding for nursing home care, for sure. instance, and we end up seeing nursing home workers in, on the Minnesota side in Moorhead, for instance, who end up crossing the border over to Fargo where they pay higher wages. And, and so those are some of the issues that we've had to deal with. Um, and so, and and, and, I, and I know you've done some work to try to deal, to try to work with that disparities. Can you um, kind of help the folks that are listening know some of the the provisions that you've done to help the folks in Minnesota be able to compete with the folks in North Dakota? Right, right. And in the area of the nursing homes, uh, we've been seeking legislation that would enable our nursing homes to be able to 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 uh, uh, keep up with North Dakota. Let's say if their oil revenues take off again, uh, that we're able to track with them as far as wages so that we don't have this unfair competition across the border because Moorhead and Fargo really operate as one community. Right. So it can be really devastating if one side of that community uh, is taking off in wages the other isn't and remains stagnant. And, and, and also other issues that we want to work on, uh, you know, some of the regulatory issues because, uh, again, to have I, I guess uh, one area that I could uh, use as an example is home building. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's much more expensive to build a home on the Minnesota side of the border than it is uh, on the North Dakota side. So we're working on things to try to level the playing field um, so that uh, we don't have an unfair advantage on the North Dakota side and so that our businesses and our communities can thrive as well. Good. All the mitigations done on the Red River, or are we still doing more stuff up there? Well, there's still uh, more stuff that needs to be done okay. uh, in that regard. Um, and again, there's there's the difference. That when you're talking about the Red River, we're not talking about a river that's wholly within one jurisdiction. Right. It's, right. Uh, it's the border between North Dakota and Minnesota. And uh, so as being a shared body of water, we need to work with North Dakota, and we also need to work with uh, a little bit of South Dakota. Uh, a little bit is, is also uh, located on the border there. 
there, and then we also have to work with Manitoba uh, to the north. So another so country another that we country. actually have to deal with. Right. Uh, so you're, like a, so you're like a diplomat now. Yeah, yes, <laughs> and, uh, and I actually have uh, participated in the uh, International Legislators Forum, which wow. deals with those issues. Wow. Uh, and uh, uh, we do have the Red River Basin Commission, which has been set up sure. that has representatives from all of those jurisdictions trying to work together as one mm-hmm. uh, so that we can overcome some of the the border issues and uh, and try to pursue uh, common the common good and common policies uh, and put everybody in the same harness working well, together. So tell us something something about you that most people wouldn't know. Oh well, um, I already told you some things that uh, I think most people wouldn't know. Right. But uh, I'm a pilot. That's something that many people may not That's know. Right. Uh, and I started flying about 15 years ago, okay. uh, a little airplane that I I don't own the plane myself, uh, but I, I belong to a club. That, okay. Uh, so it's a group of us that have a plane. And I use that. Uh, I've used that quite often to fly down here, and it's a it's a beautiful way to travel as long as the weather. Uh, well, that's what I, yeah, I remember you saying that. I know that some say that, um, and I don't know if that's true for you, but some legislators even north of you said it might even be cheaper to to fly down sometimes than it is to drive down. It yeah. certainly would save you save time. That right. was interesting to me. It does, yeah, and, and uh, because it's a smaller plane which doesn't use a lot of gas, so we it, it's not the most expensive to fly, and and uh, yeah, it's actually a. a, a it can be, again, efficient as long as the weather doesn't get in the way. But there's times where you find that you can't take off when you want to. Yeah, and I imagine that. I imagine that. Well, uh, Senator Eakin, thank you for being here for a call of the Senate. Um, for people who want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Well, you can contact me through my email or telephone. Uh, and my my email and, and office number are public, but my cell phone number, I give that out on a regular basis as well because that's okay. the best way to contact me. And you can uh, reach me uh, at 218 218- Eight four nine seven eight four eight. Okay, uh, and I'm glad to visit with people anytime. And I think the best way to communicate is directly uh, talking to people. And for some of those folks that use social media, how would they get in touch with you? Well, uh, again, I've got Facebook as well, so okay. that's one way that people can uh, can be in contact with me. But as I said, I think you know, email and, and telephone. Uh, those are probably the best ways to communicate. That's fantastic. Senator Eakin, thanks for being on Call of the Senate. You bet. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Call of the Senate. I'm Senator Jeff Hayden, and I hope you enjoy getting to know my colleagues and hearing about important things that are happening at the Capitol. If you'd like to hear more stories, please visit our website, senatedfl.mn, or connect with us on social media with the handle at senatedfl. Thank you.